0: A, a tasting setup, or I did a tasting on like, live on it or whatever. And I had oh him, yeah. I had him tasting it and everything, and they're all like, "Whoa, Jesus!" You hear him spitting and coughing and hacking and everything. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, he's all over the place, man.
1: So, I'm sure people on the other end really enjoyed to hear that.
0: My my PR guy was asking about it. I said, "Man, we were, literally we only did like a quarter ounce of each. It was like, mm-hmm. only four samples. So what? It was this an ounce?" I was like, "He's like, he goes, kind of sound like y'all were drinking at the bar there for a second and I was like, "No, <laughs> I was like, believe really, me, we weren't, man. It was a small. It's not sample. like that at all." Yeah.
1: Hey everyone, big news shaping up in bourbon this week. Lots of rumors are finally coming to light in regards of Old Granddad 114 as well as Booker's. If you're out of loot, loop, make sure to catch the next Community Roundtable where we're going to be taking this into a much deeper discussion. Next week I'll be doing a drawing for our Patreon winners for the month of, of November. If you aren't a Patreon sponsor yet, I would really encourage you to do so. It's a way for you to help support the show and keep it going. But at the same time, we're going to send you some awesome stuff in return, like koozies, bourbon samples, and be a part of these monthly drawings. It's like a mix of NPR-sponsored radio, but with the benefits of a Kickstarter campaign. Visit patreon.com to learn more. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash bourbonpursuit. Now let's go ahead and enjoy this week's episode. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite And enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium, hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Welcome back to the episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast. Just Kenny here today, flying solo, Ryan can't make it, but I'm back uh, at a place where we had recorded a previous episode, number 23, with Carol Perry, and I'm excited today because I get to actually reconnect with an old high school friend of mine, uh, Trinity Rocks 2002 over here, and you know, it's, it's funny that now we've gone years, almost, it seemed years after college and high school not talking, and then maybe the past three years, we've seen each other at more bourbon events yeah. than we ever even realized. But he
0: has a way of doing that to people so,
1: How yeah. <laughs> weird, right? So today excited to bring on the show. We've got Kevin Didio, uh, Kevin kind of give people, uh, what idea what it is you do here at the bullet frontier experience.
0: Sure. Kenny, my, my title is the, uh, manager of Kentucky visitor experiences, uh, here at Weller. So, um, three tiers to my role. Um, Number one, I manage the tourism experience, so we have a, um, and basically it's an hour long tour that we offer that talks a little bit about history, uh, the bullet, the history of Stitzelweller, Weller, um, the history of Bullet, and kind of the story behind each brand. Um, we also feature a few other smaller brands, but it's really bourbon education is is what we do here. Um, the other side of it is, is I manage the production on a small micro distillery, do about a barrel a week. We do experimentation over there with some different mash bills. Uh, We also get to develop some of our own distillation talent as well. So it's kind of some fun stuff. And then I also do a little bit of the Kentucky field marketing as well. So special events, um, tasting events, uh, and uh,
1: other outside-the-site education opportunities. Awesome. I want to touch on a lot of that a little bit later. But before we dive into it, let's kind of talk about your history before – bourbon, right? Kind of kind of talk about, you know, I kind of said we went to high school together, yeah. but kind of talk about what you did after that and kind of what led you into to what you're doing today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I, after Trinity, I went to Western Kentucky where I um, I studied recreation administration, basically sports administration. I wanted a guy, my goal in life was to be, a, be an athletic director or a football coach. Um, while I was in school, though, I, I got a part-time job at a, at a, at a retail liquor store. Um, really enjoyed the industry. By the time I left, I, I was managing nights, uh, at the store. Um, and went, so I left college and I was kind of exploring different ways to get back involved. I actually coached a little football at Trinity High School for a year, um, but then found, found myself a job as a, as a, as a bourbon specialist with a, with a distillery in, in central Kentucky. So it's um, And then kind of fell in love with the industry there. It's actually Maker's Mark Distillery in Loretto. Um, so I was a tour guide and uh, basically a bourbon educator there. So worked with the general public, worked with distributors, um, really kind of teaching them the ins and outs of the brand. And, you know, I fell in love with the, with the entire category of bourbon uh, um, during that time. You know, I had some great mentors there, and I also um, learned a lot about the heritage, the history, and then just some of the different characters and uh, and legends in the, in the industry as well. So, um, so since then, I actually left that role. I stepped outside the industry for for about 18 months. Um, of that 18 months, I think uh, 12 of those months I was trying to get back in. Um, and then I actually was was welcomed back at Maker's Mark as the brand ambassador for Kentucky or Kentucky Diplomat as they called it. So in that role, I worked a lot with distributors, a lot with bartenders in the field, kind of find ways to help um, you know, teach people about Maker's Mark. Basically taking my show from the distillery on the road out, out into the field. Um, got my MBA in the meantime, uh, while I was doing that that role at Bellarmine. Um, so I graduated in 2011 with that. Uh, after that, I stepped outside the uh, the marketing world and the sales world, and and went into the uh, manufacturing world at Jim Beam, where I was a bottling line supervisor, uh, and then stepped into a business an- analyst role. So, kind of really got to learn the uh, the nuts and bolts of the industry uh, uh, doing that. So, worked across bottling, worked across warehousing, um, had a lot of fun. So. Um, you know, some people say i have trouble I have trouble holding down a job since I've done sales <laughs> marketing uh bottling uh finance accounting logistics um, but it's it's been it's been a really fun journey kind of learning all the different sides of the industry and, and I've had some met some great relationships and you know very similar to you just mentioned you know whiskey kind of brings people together kind of like you mentioned at the beginning of the show um it's really done that for me as well I've made some great relationships and I'm you know even even in a better place now uh with Diageo and, and bullet bourbon kind of leading this uh this tourism experience here plus this role gives me a little, little touch on everything. Um, I get the consumer side of things. I get a little bit of the sales side of st- things, and I get my I get my production or manufacturing fix with our with our micro distillery.
1: So, so kind of let's rewind a little bit to when you were working inside of the the liquor store when you were inside of college. I, I guess what was it that that asphyxiated you with inside of the just the liquor industry or just the spirits industry in general? I mean, besides being in yeah. college and wanting to drink a whole lot oh, and yeah. saying I mean, like, because yeah. everybody, I mean, you you hang around with a bunch of guys and we're always like, we should open a bar. Like, oh, absolutely, <laughs> everybody's going
0: to open a bar or a liquor store <laughs> when they're in college. That's the plan, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I think the the cool thing for me was I saw how close knit the industry was. You know, granted this was Bowling Green, Kentucky, and we were a very small store, um, but I saw the kind of the connection that the store owners had with the distributors and the consumers come in. You know, and kind of the, you know, like it was just a community that you kind of saw around it. You know, you know, consumers were connected to brands. Brands had unique stories. Um, distributors had great relationships with the field. With the with you know, I was a, I was an assistant manager. And, uh, and they, you know, they had great relationships with my owner. And it was just a real kind of family atmosphere that I saw in, in the spirits industry. And I know since you've probably started this podcast, you've kind of probably seen how close-knit um, a lot of the industry
1: is. It's amazing how you'll be, they'll just say, yeah, oh, I've got all their phone numbers right here yeah, on my. exactly, yeah. I mean, they, a lot of these old timers, they can barely use the iPhone, but they've got all their numbers on there.
0: <laughs> That's like, you know, Tom Bullet for a great example. He's He's got that type of relationship where he, you know, he talks to executives and he also talks to store and, and store owners and, and bartenders. And so, those you know, the relationships are widespread and it feels like everyone is just, uh, everyone's in a great place. Everyone's, you know, kind of working towards a common goal of raising the category. And, you know, and I saw that early on. And then as you see that kind of in, in all the different roles that I've had, you know, there's this great heritage, great people, um, and just, you know, just a really fun industry to be in. Like, and like I said, I left for 18 months and spent 12 trying to get back in.
1: So, right. Yeah. So kind of talk a little bit more about the the time at Jim Beam doing the bottling thing because it seems, it seems that the – uh, the one thing that we, we realize when we talk to a lot of the massive distillers, they say, we've done every job yeah. here. And it sounds like you're already kind of like making your rounds of, of doing that. So kind of talk about a little bit, cause we haven't really talked anybody about the bottling side of things. So yeah. Talk about a little bit of the, the intricacies maybe of just the, the bottling process.
0: Yeah. You know, you know, there's all kinds of things that, that go into that. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of folks think it goes from the barrel to the bottle, you know, that's, and there's nothing in between, but there's a lot, a lot in between. There's, uh, there's processing, there's, uh, you know. There's making sure the proof's right. There's all those different things. There's packaging components, label components. You know, anytime you want a new label, you get you've got to work with the TTB, and it's a it's a ninety day process. And then there's um, you know trying to get you know, a certain number of cases out the door in a certain time frame. you know, so at a core of it, it's, it's production. Um, you know, cause where I came from, there was a lot of history and a lot of heritage and you're telling these stories and all this type of things. And those things come into play too, especially in the manufacturing facilities. But at the end of the day, the customer wants the product and it's, and it's our responsibility to get it out to them uh, in full and on time. So, you know, it's a, a good, good way to describe it. It's, you know, it, it's exciting, it's fast-paced, um, but it comes down to efficiencies and it comes down to time,
1: a lot of times. And a lot of these times yeah. you've got to understand the automation that goes oh, behind all yeah. that sort of stuff because yeah. you'll see. And there's, you a
0: ton of, and there's a ton of people that they go into making sure that the product goes, you know, that the label looks right, that the glass is of high quality, um, that, you know, that the machines are running to the most efficiency they can. So there's a ton of moving parts that, that go into actually producing a product, um, you know, caps, labels, bottles, um, you know, shipping, getting it out you know, on all those different things. And, you know, a lot of times people think barrel to the shelf and then it kind of, you know, there's a, there's a ton of people and a ton of, uh, there's a big gray area. Of, yeah, right exactly. A ton of industry involved <laughs> right in the middle of it. And it's, and that was the amazing thing for me. Cause where I was out doing promote, where I was promoting and I was telling stories of heritage and, and getting to know the people, um, it was even more beneficial for me to get inside the operation and kind of see the people behind getting the product. out. And you have a whole new respect for the products that are on the shelf.
1: Good. So that's that's what I kind of want to bring it to uh, to what you're doing today. So we are here. We're at the the, the historic and famed Stitzel Weller Distillery. You know, you you hear that word, some people's their ears perks up. Uh, some people they have no idea about mm-hmm. it. So kind of give a little bit of education about Stitzel Weller uh, for a lot of people that are kind of newbies to this realm. That maybe they understand the significance of what this place really had, and in, in regards of just bourbon history.
0: Sure. Um, Stitzel Weller is one of the true cathedrals of the bourbon industry, is what what we like to say. It dates back to 1935. Basically, it was the merger of two very powerful companies at the time uh, in the industry. You had the W.L. Weller Wholesale Company, and you had the Stitzel Distilling Company. Um, Quick story, the the, the Stitzels were over off Story Avenue. Um, The Weller Company was down on Main Street. Essentially, the Wellers were were wholesalers, so Kenny, they would buy barrels uh, and then sell them to other suppliers or dealers. They are kind of like a middleman. Um, well, they were buying most of their spirits from the Stitzels. So Prohibition hits, both stayed afloat a little bit through some medicinal whiskey practices and so on from there. Um, but when they knew Prohibition was going to be repealed, uh, the companies decided to merge and build the first new distillery— um, in Kentucky, um, outside of Prohibition, so that was 1933. They broke ground here. Doors opened on Derby Day, 1935. Um, you know, and a lot of the legends in the industry involved with it as well. So, so the president and chairman of the W. L. Weller Company at the time, who also became the president and chairman of the um, of Stitzel Weller, was a guy named Julian Van Winkle. So, you guys are familiar with like Pappy Van Winkle. Well, Never heard of it. Well, Pappy. Well, Kenny, <laughs> I know you. I, I listen to the podcast, Kenny. I you love Pappy, man. That's, I see your pictures. You're always in the Pappy fast, man. So, so I knew you'd get a kick out of this. So. So, Pappy, Pappy the Man, Julian. This was this was his distillery um, that that he opened. You know, the flagship brand here uh, forever was was Old Fitzgerald. Um, other iconic brands that were housed here: Cabin Still, uh, Rebel Yell, um, I.W. Harper, which is a brand we might talk about a little bit later, but something we've relaunched. Um, I think any other ones. So I already said I already mentioned cabin still. So we can just look on w- your shelves here. You've got dolphins. he's got some sitting on, <laughs> on the shelves. Yeah. So so you know, there was a lot of a lot of the brands that you're seeing being revitalized and there's and that have never died and are still popular today, um, originated here at Stitzel. So
1: Good. And right. so talk a little bit about why do you think, maybe you can comment, why do you think people go crazy over Stitzel, right? I mean, it had a lot of bourbon mm-hmm. heritage. Yeah. And, you know, I, I will lead into Blade & Bone a little bit because it even has mm-hmm. the word Stitzel sure. while on there. But why do you think that people have this sort of this marketing uh, kind of pull into the, just to that category, that name?
0: You know, I almost want to say it's... It's almost like the place that time forgot. or Something like that is because, you know, you've got you've got the giants of the industry that that helped build it. So, so the Van Winkle family has a tie in here, and we all know the lore around around, around the, the Pappy Van Winkle products that are out. Um, the other side of it is like iconic brands have um, have started here. Old Fitz, for example. You know, one thing I've learned too is that, um, especially through my time, my different stops that we've already mentioned throughout the way, is that. When I when I mentioned to different people that I was coming to work at Stitzel, they're like, "Oh, I got my start there as a bottling line supervisor, in 1988. I used to work in the distillery there in 19, you know, 1990. You know, so so the roots of the bourbon industry, you know, or the, I should say, this place has a lot of roots in the bourbon industry that folks have gone other places. Um, they've all have a, like a touch some one way or the other on Stitzel. Um, you know, the other side of it that's wild about it now is that you know it's been a total revitalization uh, of the site here in the here in the past three years. So you know, we mentioned the 30s when that, when it opened." Um, you know, Stitzel was booming in the 60s and the 70s, um, mid-80s, late 80s, early, I'm sorry, late 80s, early 90s. You started seeing a decline in in brown spirit sales. The rise of the vodkas and the other clear spirits were, were, were very popular at that time. So, Stitzel was one of the victims of of that of that downfall. They actually closed the, the doors here of the distillery in 1992. So, that might be a reason why people are kind of uh, um, excited when they hear Stitzel, because if you find a Stitzel liquid that's original here, it, it's guaranteed to be from 1992 or before. Um you know, so the other side of it is, you know, so 1992 they closed the distillery, and uh, you know, basically this became a warehousing site. Um, I was telling you before we started today, you know, at one point in the late 90s there was there was a handful of barrels being aged here. I think there was like four or five employees, and there was nine contract security guards guarding the place. So more people guarding it than were actually working here. Um, but through the bourbon renaissance, which you know, you know, things like uh, you know, you've seen all these different bourbon things rise up. Well, Stitzel's one of the things that's kind of risen risen up as well through uh, through the bourbon boom, so to speak. So they started Agent Bullet here, uh, mid-2000s, 2005, 2006. Um, Tom Bullitt moved his office here um, around 2010 and then t- 2014, we opened our visitor experience, and we also have our bullet bottling line, which we opened in August of 2014 in, in the back. So all our orange, all the orange label products are bottled here as well. So okay, I was about to yeah. say is like it's well, been the, a real revital, revitalization of the site. So you know, with the momentum that you hear people talking about in the field about Stitzel, we've actually Stitzel's actually coming back to life itself. So
1: so you've got you've got some small batch distillation yeah. kind of happening. Not only maybe small batch single barrel distillation, right? So you're about doing about a barrel a week, about yeah. a barrel yeah, a week. Yeah. So kind of kind of. Talk a little bit about that, like yeah. so. What what makes it unique, or what what's going into it? Is it just we haven't figured out a name for it yet? Right now, it's uh, it's a lot of experimentation.
0: Um, we're playing around with some different mash bills. Uh, you know, for example, when we did our grand grand reopening uh, two years ago, we did a historic weeded mash bill uh, to pay homage to a lot of the different uh, the historic weeded mash bills that were produced here in the in the early days. Um, we've done some different experimentations with some different malts. Uh, we've done some other things like that, uh, other things with uh, some some higher rye, so like a hundred percent rye type. Uh. That product that we're working with, nothing that's probably going to go into bottling or anything right now. Just totally, it's 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 a it's a playground for us to learn a little bit. Um, our Shelbyville, we're getting ready to open our new distillery in Shelbyville. We've let our our new operators um, have come out here and worked on our new on our manual stills. Basically, is a good way to put it. There's no computers, no automation or anything in our micro distillery. So they come out there and they learn kind of the nuts and bolts of the of the uh, of the processes over there. So you know, if I had to say what what the, what we're doing with it is, it's. It's mainly, it's it's innovation, um, talent development, and and experimentation.
1: Right, right on. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's point of sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning twenty-four-seven help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a one-dollar-per-month trial period at shopifycom bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopifycom bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. shopifycom bourbon. So the other part about this is as you said this has been an, a place for aging for yeah. a while right And right now it's aging a lot yeah. of bullet stock. Yeah. So I guess a, a good question is you know I know the bash bills aren't going to be the same, but is there a, is there a certain chemical or balance or location here that people are going to be able to say like, oh maybe one day bullet's going to be able to have the same kind of traits or characteristics that maybe Sttze Weller had at one mm-hmm. point just because they're in these 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 place, these, these rick houses of how it was aged at a certain certain point.
0: Uh, that's, a, that's a great point. And I think that's something we, you know, we have to just wait and see, <laughs> We'll see what comes out of it. Because, you know, I will say, you know, the, these are the historic style rick houses, you know, se- seven floors, seven high, three tier ricks. Um, you know, so, so we'll see what comes out. Never know what we'll find. So, right. Yeah. And
1: so, and quickly talk about the, the bottling that you have going yeah. on here as well.
0: So you know, it's a, it's a high speed bottling line. So all our all our bullet orange label product is, is bottled here at Stitzel Weller. Um, they brought that back, like I guess, in August and I'm sorry, in October of, of uh, 2014 when we relaunched that. Brought bottling back here since first time since 1997. Um, so we will bo- we we'll do that we also bottle Blade and Bow and um, and uh, Hill Haven Lodge is another product we, we do here. But you know it's, you know so the only thing we don't bottle here is the 50 mLs and the, and the 200 mLs basically it's a different shaped glass so we don't
1: we don't yeah you got to have, have different yeah. tools for exactly, all that. Exactly yeah. yeah. But all our, all
0: our bullet orange labels done here and it's it's it's, it's a it's a it's it's a high speed line. It's um it's uh, one of the you know it's got one of the most highly uh, automated and technologically advanced lines I've I've seen. So,
1: so yeah. back on episode fifty eight, we interviewed Tim Judge, and he was yeah. a global brand ambassador mm-hmm. for Bullet. And anybody that didn't get a chance to kind of check it out, give give people the the you know the the small rundown of of Bullet, a little bit of history, yeah. and, and kind of what's going on. Yeah. So so uh,
0: Tom Bullet is is the founder. Tom's a local Louisville guy, Trinity High School class class of nineteen sixty one. So he'd fit in at this table. Perfect. Again. So, uh, um, but you know, Tom was a, Tom was a lawyer. Uh, in Lexington. Um... And In 1987, he decided to launch his own whiskey brand. So he he wasn't new, the idea wasn't new to him. I mean, he had a great great grandfather, a guy named Augustus Bullet, who was known to make whiskey on the, the uh, on the western frontier of the U.S. And this was like the 1860s, so the western frontier of the U.S. then was Kentucky and Southern Indiana. Um, so Tom had always kind of heard this little folklore and stories of uh, of his uh, of his great great grandfather, and always was curious about the industry. Um, you know, throughout undergrad and throughout law school, he worked at some different distilleries in Frankfurt and Louisville, just doing odd jobs and uh, you know temp labor, warehousing labor, all that. Kind of stuff, but he always had kind of a passion for it. Um, but his number one passion was was uh, his his uh, his law career. Um, finally, in 1987, after about 15 years of, um, of, of 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 lawyering, if you want to call it that,
1: <laughs> lawyering.
0: <laughs> I don't know if that's a word or not, but you know, <laughs> but we'll, we'll go with that. I um, uh, decided to hang it up and launch his family's. Uh, uh, bourbon recipe. Um, originally product was called a uh, thoroughbred bourbon. Um, but after through some, uh, through some encouragement of his wife, Betsy, they decided to go with the, the bullet name on the, uh, on the product. So it's, uh, he launched bullet in 1987 as a high rye, uh, bourbon. So two two-third corn, two thirds corn, one third rye. And, uh, the brand really grew in, uh, kind of in the different coast, to be honest with you. It kind of got caught up in the, uh, kind of the bartender movements. So think of towns like San Francisco, uh, New York, it's kind of amazing if you go out to those two towns, you see bullet everywhere. You know, I don't know, we're Kentucky guys here. You go around here, you don't you don't see it quite often because there's a lot of different products here. But if you go and you go to, saying New York or San San Fran, you see it on every shelf and every. There's a lot of cocktail minis with it, so it really grew on the uh, on the backs of the bartenders. And that's that's kind of a tribute to Tom because Tom spent a lot of time working with individual bartenders and tenders. They love the they love the high rye content. They love the idea that they can make a cocktail with it. You can still taste the whiskey, uh, and, you know, and, and Bullet's grown, uh, you know, exponentially ever since. Right now, we're, we're on pace to be one of the top-selling bourbons in the U.S.
1: I mean, I will say that, yeah. you know, Bullet Rye is one of my favorite ryes yeah. only because yeah. it, it makes one of the, the best Manhattans yeah. that, that, I, that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. So, the other thing that you really, I guess you can say, evangelize here is Blade & Bow. So, sure. talk about Blade & Bow a little bit more because I don't think we've ever had anybody really on to kind of talk
0: about it. Yeah, Blade & Bow really, it's, it's only available in a handful of uh, cities. Um, you know, it, it really pays homage to the history here at Stitzel-Weller. So, blade and bow, the name, we'll start with that. It kind of comes from the name of the keys, and that's one, one of the symbols that you'll see around Stitzel-Weller is these, this five-key symbol, and it stands for the five things you have to do right to make great bourbon. Um, historically, the executives at Stitzel-Weller all wore, like, five-keys cufflinks or tie tacks, and it was a reminder of this kind of vision or mission statement. What it was was you, had to, you sold the five things where you had to have great grains and yeast— and then you had to excel at fermentation, distillation, and aging. So, if you did those five things right, you could make great bourbon. So, the key, every key has a blade, which goes into the door, and a bow, which is the end that you can hold on your hand. So, the name blade and bow comes from the skeleton key in that five keys uh, symbol. So Now, pays, I get it. Yeah, pays homage to a lot of the history here. It's
1: not uh, a hunting reference, by
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, yeah I, I won't go there, but anyway. <laughs> uh, The other side of it is it's actually made with some of the last liquid that came off the still here in 1992. We use this rigorous, excuse me. Use this rigorous uh, Solera method. Basically, it's a way to preserve historic liquid. Um, it's a five-tier barreling system. I could go into it, but it would really bore you guys to sleep. But it's uh, what it does is, is when you get into ta- when you get into tasting, it gives it this real kind of complex kind of mouthfeel to it. So it's it's kind of it's kind of spicy on the front end, and then kind of sweet on the on the finish. So it's it's a really amazing product. So it's got it's got a great history and a great story behind it. So,
1: and the fact that you know you work for Diageo, yeah. and this is kind of like an, a little bit of an odd duck, right? Because you've got a whole mess of things here that you can talk about you've got you've got bullet you've got blade and bow you've got orphan barrel products you got iw harper so kind of talk about which one of those kind of you know do you have the biggest fascination with and why because the one thing that you get to do when you come here is you can kind of see a lot of those brands Uh, maybe you not taste them but you kind of see them on the shelf right that's
0: that's a that's a tough one. You know, people ask me that question. What do you, what do you, what do you drink when you're not here? You know, is it, is it bullet? Is it this? I said, you know, so I'm a big fan of bullet Ten because I think it just, it's, it's got the spiciness of, of bullet, but it's a little more, it's almost like someone added bitters to your cocktail. kind of, the, the extra time in the wood kind of rounds the edges of it. Um, you know, it's, I, I love that product. You know, Blade & Bow is probably the one I'm most fascinated with, I think, just because it has a unique uh, um, story behind it. Plus it pays homage to a lot of the history and the, and the people that have worked here o- over the years. And then, you know, just, just. You know the bullet portfolio in general is is pretty fascinating to me as well. Especially Tom Bullet's story, being a local guy, um, launching a product by himself, you know, and basically turn it into one of the world's most uh, you know or one of the country's most fastest growing bourbons. It's uh, you know, so you're right.
1: And you he know. did it before the age of Shark Tank. Exactly. He yeah. Mark exactly. Cuban yeah. A and he launched here. it you know
0: 1987 too. And that wasn't the, that wasn't the best time for bourbon either. So you know, so it's really you know, you know, I think the cool thing about this role here is that you know you're surrounded by. A ton of unique things, you know, everything from from Tom Bullet to the to the folks that work here, to the folks that used to work here, to guys like Carol Perry, who've been here 46 years. Um, and then just the neighborhood itself has a lot of pride for the for this site as well. So it's uh, it's pretty wild to be here.
1: So I want to also just touch on one thing, only because we've never really talked about it before, but that's uh, – you, you guys have I.W. Harper yeah. as part of your portfolio. So school us a little bit there about a little bit of the history of I.W. Harper.
0: Yeah. Um, I.W. Harper is one of the more popular bourbon brands in the early 1900s. It was uh, it was actually created by a guy named I.W. Bernheim. Um, he decided to – name he was going to name it after himself, but he thought Bernheim was too German of a name to put on his label. So he went with uh, Harper, which was – I think it was the derby-winning jockey in 1911. Um, so, or I'm sorry, the Derby winning trainer in 1911. So, he named the product after him. So, it was I.W. Harper. And, you know, so it was, if you were drinking bourbon in the, you know, pre Prohibition or you were drinking just after Prohibition, it was probably I.W. Harper. Um, it was a very, like I said, it was very popular. If you look back to like the original James Bond books, you know, everybody sees Sean Connery drinking the martini. Well, if you read the original shake books, shake it, not stir. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, if you, you know, the original books, they were drinking I.W. Harper. They were drinking bourbon in, in those books. So, very popular brand throughout the 60s and 70s. Mid-80s, you know, with the with the rest of bourbon and dark dark spirits kind of took a downfall. Um, but the, uh, you know, the, the product was always very popular in Japan. So, in the early 90s, they pulled it off the shelf domestically and only made it um, available to the Japanese market. <clears throat> and that was – it was probably 20 years it was only available over there. Um, and we relaunched it back in the States uh, with two uh, – I'm sorry. We relaunched it back in the States in uh, – sorry, in May of – 2015 um, with two different ones. We have a non-age statement, and then we have a straight 15 year. So,
1: so I guess the one thing I don't know about it, and if you go around and you look, you can look on old websites, you can find decanners for old things, but there's one thing that with I.W. Harper, it's mm-hmm. a, kind of a, a guy in a top hat. Sure. Do you know anything about the reasoning of why that was the the kind of logo or the emblem that they chose as, as their kind of marketing engine behind it? I think really it was kind of, was kind of a, a regal type product. It was supposed to be a
0: higher end. And that was, you know, so the idea, also the term anytime, anywhere, Mr. Harper or something like that, it was very palatable. You know, it was very, it was mixable. You could drink it straight. It, it was, it was, a, it was a very versatile or uh, approachable bourbon and always has been. So.
1: a Good deal. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit more about what you can experience here at the Bullet Frontier Experience. So one thing to kind of, kind of walk people through, you know, what's a typical tour? What are the, some of the things that you would see when you do come here?
0: Yeah, you know, the big thing we like, to, we try to give everyone a little kind of a well-rounded uh, bourbon experience when they're here. So we'll start um, with our tour. It usually starts with a little Stitzelweller history, kind of setting the stage of why this place is important, kind of like what I did with you earlier today. Um, after that, we get into a little bit of production, talk a little science. Uh, you know, my my whiskey specialists here, they're kind of geeks. They love things like yeast, and they love things like uh, fermentation, distillation, kind of the real science behind it. Um, we'll talk uh, We'll talk maturation inside the warehouse We'll talk a little bit about the history of of, of Tom Bullet, uh, the history of the brands. You know, kind of where Tom grew his market, how where his ideas came from for for his brand, um, and then we end each tour with uh, about a 15 minute comprehensive tasting. So, what, kind of what our what our goal for that is. It's usually four samples. Um, and what we look to do is give you kind of some tools to be able to help you evaluate bourbon. So we're not just going out there just kind of telling you what our products are and taste them if you want to. Um, we really try to get into kind of giving you the confidence to go into you know even if you're new to bourbon or if you're or you're an expert. You know if you're going out to a restaurant, if you're going to a package store and you want to take a look, you, we give you some tools to help evaluate the spirit. And kind of say you know what makes it unique. Do, what do you look for when you taste things? You know like what does mouth what does the mouth feel? What is you know how to properly nose a bourbon? How to how to inspect the legs on the glass, so on from there. So it's we try to give it, it's 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 really about creating a well-rounded. experience. That, that, you know, highlights our brands that we have here, but also educates our consumer on the category in general. So,
1: so the year's wrapping up here. So, how many visitors did you, have you seen grow from, like, 2015 to 2016?
0: We, we increased probably 25. Uh, well, let me take that back. We, you know, from, from uh, 2015 through 2016, we're up probably about 30, about 32%. I think it was, it was if I did the math right there. Um, you know, the exciting thing for us is, is that, you know, our first couple months, it was a lot of local. Um, last year we started seeing the, you know, we started seeing Indiana, Tennessee, you know, here recently you walk through the, you walk through the parking lot on a Saturday, you're starting to see Michigan, uh, Ohio. Uh, Iowa, And these are the license plates that you're starting to see when you go out there. So, we, you know, I, personally, I think we're really kind of on the edge of the bourbon tourism thing. And it's just, you know, it's great for us. We're in a great neighborhood. We've got, you know, Angels Envy that just opened down the street, Peerless, uh, Evan Williams. You know, so it's, you know, the Louisville bourbon experience is growing. And I think it's best. It's it's great for all of us uh, in, in the area. So, you know, I, I would think next year, we know we're probably looking to see anywhere from probably 40 to 50,000 people come through here. And I still think it's, you know, we're in growth mode on the, on the whole tourism side of things. So.
1: so in regards of 2017, what are you guys looking for uh, to help maybe take care of that? Any, any kind of special... I guess things that you have up your sleeve to be able to have new for 2017, for maybe that people were here a year or two ago yeah, or anything you
0: know, like that. You know, we're always looking to sample new products. That's kind of the easy one there. You know, we've got a few things up our sleeves that I can't I can't really share with you right now. But what I can tell you is, is we're we're looking for ways to get 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 the consumer more in touch with the process. Um, and what are some more uh, interactive experiences that we can create for our consumers? Because what we're what we're learning, Kenny, is is that our consumers want more information they want they don't just want the kind of the surface tour they want to get their hands dirty they want something to like they want smoke in their face they want mm-hmm. they want they want to get into the into the processes and get to know the people behind the process so if we can figure out ways to do that um I think, uh, I think our consumers and our, and our visitors will, you know, will, will continue to flock to us and, you know, we can continue to entertain them. So
1: maybe a shrine of Carol Perry, like at the entrance or something <laughs> like that. Uh,
0: he's, he wants his name on that guard shack. He tells me, so, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have, they haven't, no one's ever been out. You got First person you meet when you come out to, uh, to Stitzelweller is, is Carol Perry. Carol's been here, uh, 46 years. He reminds me of that every day. He's a great guy, <laughs> uh, but he's, he's a smiling face. He's got a ton of, ton of, uh, uh, love and passion for 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 Stitzelweller, number one, and then a ton a ton of love and passion for uh, for um, for Bullet and all our all our brands here. So he's a he's a great ambassador to uh, to Louisville, to Shively, and uh, and to Kentucky, and, and for Stitzelweller as well. So
1: so with that, we're gonna wrap it up. So if people want to get in contact with you, if they want to know how they can schedule tours, when they can they come, kind of kind of give a yeah. When, be, you, when are you open? Yeah, how can they? Yeah, how do yeah they best, know about it.
0: So right now. We are open uh, Wednesday through Sunday uh, from 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. Our tours run on the hour, uh, Wednesday through Friday, and on Saturday we go every 30 minutes. Um, Sunday we go every 30 minutes as well. Best way to reach us, especially if you're planning on coming on a weekend, uh, try to call us during the week and set up a reservation because um, our weekends, and as Kenny, if you've been around at Bourbon Trail anytime soon, the weekends on the Bourbon Trail are are wild. They're, they're packed, you know, it's it's an exciting time for us because it's uh we get a ton of people that that are excited about bourbon come through. So so please call set up a reservation. Best number to reach us is is 502 810 3800 or jump on our website, you know, you can see the information on there as well. It's bulletexperience.com. So that's awesome. yeah, the best way to do it, Yeah. Uh, yeah, or just call us. Call us directly. Set up in a reservation. Happy to host you guys anytime.
1: So, yeah, make sure you uh, shake Kevin's hand, and he will uh, <laughs> show you a good time. So, Kevin, I want to say yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was uh, fantastic. Just to learn more about yeah. you, because uh, I haven't really known, haven't yeah. really talked about that since, since we've graduated. <laughs> since right, Dennis
0: Astroly's math class, man. It's been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: But it was good to kind of know about that. To kind of you know, learning more about the history of what's happening here, some of yeah. the things that are going on, uh, and some of the things we can expect for next year as well. So, again, thank you for coming on the show
0: absolutely Kenny thank you anytime my friend
1: awesome so if you like what you hear makes you support the show on patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash bourbon pursuit follow us on social media at bourbon pursuit facebook twitter and instagram and if you have any more show suggestions people you'd like to see any more comments go ahead and send us an email it's the duo t-h-e-d-u-o at com. and with that we will see you all next week